This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. Assalamualaikum, hello, Allah, and welcome to Life Beats. It's a brand new week with some brilliant interviews that will leave you excited and inspired with a whole new point of view. Today, you're about to meet the Queen Fashion Illustration, Megan Hess, as she sits down with me to talk how she became a global fashion sensation, requested not only by the world's biggest fashion houses, but also by the rich and famous, including former First Lady, Michelle Obama. Her story is next on Life Beats with me, Sally Musa on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. It's one for the fashion and art lovers today as you're about to meet the first lady of fashion illustration. Megan Hess is the author and illustrator of several books that celebrate fashion icons as well as the fashion capitals of the world. This year even saw her publish her first children's book, all created in her fabulously elegant signature style. After being an illustrator for several years, she became an overnight sensation when she was asked by New York author Candace Bushnell to create the covers to her New York Times best-selling novels. Ever since, she's been in demand with the world's top fashion houses, including Dior, Chanel, Louis Vuitton, Prada, Fendi and Tiffany, amongst others. She also has the rich and famous asking to be immortalized in her signature strokes, including former First Lady Michelle Obama, who requested portraits from Meghan for her book. I sat down with the Aussie artist on her recent trip to the UAE as she launched her latest book, Iconic, The Masters of Italian Fashion. She tells me how her love of illustration began and why she decided to dedicate her latest work to Italian fashion masters. Well, I always say I've been illustrating or drawing my whole life. So that's the one thing that I've always loved to do. And even as a child, that was the thing that I... I can't ever remember not drawing is how I best describe it. Um, so growing up, I just I went to art classes. I would just draw at night on the weekends. I was just continuously doodling. And then as I went through you know, primary school and high school, drawing was always the thing that I really loved. But I never really knew that you could have a career in drawing. So it wasn't until later when I, I went and studied graphic design and then worked in advertising as a designer, but didn't know that you could be a fashion illustrator till I kind of discovered that when I was in London. And then I made it my sort of goal to kind of move into that and make that my career. What was that moment? Tell us about that moment when you just went, I could actually do this. I was working as an art director in London and I started to just do really small commissions for different people and and clients. And I knew that in order to make it a career, I would have to earn as much doing that as I did as an art director to be able to kind of afford to move over to it because it's not really a career path that's very consistent. So I just built up clients and projects and a lot of them were not necessarily really the exact thing that I wanted to work on. But then I was discovered by Candace Bushnell's publisher and illustrated her covers. And when I did that, then that kind of opened up my work on a more international scale. And I found a really great um, agent, well, a great agent in New York found me. And then 
from there I started that's when everything kind of did a 360 degrees and I started really illustrating for luxury brands and that's when my career kind of steered in that direction. How long did that take in that time for, for you to move into that? Uh, I mean from when I did the work for Candice Bushnell it literally changed almost overnight once that came out and they the covers came out globally then it it I literally, within the week after that came out, I was literally working on commissions for Tiffany & Co in New York, Cartier in Paris. It was just like Vanity Fair. It just just really happened at once. And up until that point, I was probably illustrating for a good, um, you know, seven years on projects that were not that inspiring. Wow. But I still loved it because I was drawing. Yeah. But it really turned from drawing to dream work I yeah. guess which has been like that ever since touch wood because <laughs> it's your passion like you, yeah. you would do it anyway yeah that's right but then it just became something else and of course um uh, you know now you're known for your amazing beautiful uh, fashion illustrations but are you one of those people because I, I I know that artists kind of look at the, the world in a different way you know like are you one of those people who notices like um, the glide of the hand, you know, when someone walks past or yeah. the tilt of the head or like fabric, you know, the, the texture of a fabric. Yes. Yeah. I think as an illustrator, you're very much an observer. And for me, I enjoy watching and taking in the details of things, people, places. It's just noticing things is what I enjoy most. And then it's trying to capture that in an illustration. So in, a, in an interesting way, when I'm when I'm always talking about fashion and people, and I am very much into fashion myself, but I'm more into observing it, if that makes sense. So yeah. I love watching it. I love um, interpreting it in an illustration even more than wearing it, if that makes sense. That's so interesting because yeah. I think that's what makes a great artist, somebody who's so observant, who notices the details. Mm. Um, but you've had several books now that you've brought out. How does it come to you? Where does the inspiration come to you? Each book, so the latest book is Iconic, The Masters of Italian Fashion. And each book that I have written and illustrated has, has had a focus of fashion, but they've all been very different to each other. And it's just, I mean, I've just literally gone from one book to the next and it's really whatever inspiration I find when I have that clear space between one book finishing and starting the next one and um, so even like next year I am signed to do another book and I don't know what I'll do yet so <laughs> there's a joyous moment between when this book tour is over and it's usually around the end of the year until about January where I have to um, present what my what my next book is going to be I have that giddy kind of anticipation of what it, it could really be anything so what will it be what am I interested in or excited about that I think other people might be interested in so each book has been has come from a slightly different point of reference or point of inspiration and uh, for this particular book I have always wanted to do something focusing on Italian fashion because I think it, it's it warrants a whole book to itself right and I think a lot of people merge a lot of the Italian designers with the French designers and English and you know everyone thinks you know Chanel Valentino but I think the whole Italian side of things is whilst the designers in the book are all very different there's a few really key factors that link them all as well being Italian so I really wanted to explore that in a visual 
since. So what did that, you find? What, 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 what is it about Italian designers? Coming up, Megan Hess tells me why Italian designers are unique. Plus, she shares her inspiration for her art. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. It's Life Beats with me, Sally Musa, and I'm in conversation with the world renowned fashion illustrator Megan Hess as she launches her latest book, Iconic The Masters of Italian Fashion, exploring the creations of Versace, Dolce Gabbana, Fendi, Valentino, Pucci, Prada, Miu Miu, Missoni, Gucci, and Armani. I asked her what makes Italian designers so unique. I think there's something about Italian designers that they're very much focused around the passion that they have for both women and and when I say that I mean that in the sense that they you know a lot of the Italian designers have a very high regard for their mothers and their sisters and their respect for women and they also are very passionate about Italy and so there's this passion that they have that I think is an influence into their designs and their designs are all quite different everything from you know Armani where it's very it's very classic lines and quite simplistic through to Dolce & Gabbana which is the complete opposite you know there's so much embellishment and everything but but there's still a huge um, inspiration to Italy and to women and I thought that was a really interesting link through all the different designers and mm. they're very passionate and I think that comes they're across a lot like Arabs yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that's why I think and you know Italian fashion is big in um, in the Middle East as well and I think it's because they connect with the um, I, I, there's an incredible element of craftsmanship as well with Italian design show made in Italy still means an enormous amount and I think yes. you know a lot of the designers within the book have been going for a very long time and generations have, generations they have a huge history they have an incredible um, level to detail and craftsmanship behind them so and there's a certain there's a certain something about Italian designers which I think is quite different to French or English or um, Middle Eastern designers there's something about Italian designers and that's what the book really explores yeah Oh, I love that. Your favorite Italian designer? Oh, I hate choosing one. <laughs> I'm mine, but I'm going to I'm going to say Fendi because um, I've worked with several Italian designers. But Fendi, the projects that I've worked on with Fendi have been some of my favorite projects I've ever worked on, and I think um, I love the way in which uh, they work. I love that um, Karl Lagerfeld still works with the Fendi um, family. And it's a relationship. I mean, he was working with the Fendi family before he was even uh, working with Chanel. So the the history is incredible, and just the I love the. I think Fendi is is one of the most iconic Italian designers and brands because it's so um, unique, and you never really know. Even when I've worked with them, I never really know what they're going to show when they show it, and I never really know what the collection is going to be, and so. It's very unpredictable. Um, even though they have their hallmark signature things, there's something very fun and playful as well with Fendi. But it's super high end and incredible craftsmanship. But it's also got an element of fun to it. So, yeah. and, and and they've just been an incredible uh, brand to work with. So I'm I treasure the moments of the things that I've worked on with them. 
tell me about your process when you go into the studio um, and you're, you've got a blank page in front of you. Yeah. And so what's your process? How do you come up with your incredible illustrations? You know, I, I've learned to, when I'm, I'm about to start a new project, I've learned that the most important time is to really, before I draw anything, is to take a minute or longer to really, really work out what, what I'm inspired to draw, what is going to be the best thing, because I've learned that rushing into drawing something is not the right way to go in case I'm, I'm halfway through it and then realize, oh, I've thought of something better. Do I start again or do I just keep going? <laughs> and I've kind of, you know, I've gotten to the stage where I have a lot of projects that I'm working on and I can't really afford to ever start again. So I really need to make sure that what I'm working on is the right direction. So I really spend that initial time in conceptualizing what it's going to be and really thinking about that. And I will flick through photography books. I'll take a walk. I'll listen to music. I'll just think of really immerse myself in the idea and then I'll think of it and I'll usually then talk through that concept with um, a client so that they have an understanding of where I'm going so we're all kind of on the same page and then once we're all in agreement that that's a great idea yeah then I'm like then the process of illustrating it is just pure joy to me then it's just you know, if it's something very French, I will listen to French music and I'll have certain candles burning and I'll just be in the mood of it. And then I'll just be really working away on it. And in my mind, I'll know exactly where I'm going to with it. And so then I'm just in the process of it. Coming up next, I ask Megan, which is her favourite fashion capital? And that is not as easy as it sounds. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Jet-setting international fashion illustrator Megan Hess has been inspired by fashion around the world. And here she tells me which is her favourite fashion capital. You've covered a lot of different cities. Your favourite city of all time. <gasps> I do love lots of cities for different reasons, but I think if I have to choose one, I'm going to say New York because New York was the place where my work first took off. And so I feel like I have a sentimental feeling towards New York when I was really trying to break into fashion illustration or trying to become an artist. And it was really New York where things happened for me and it was there that I saw my work in large scale and finally you know come out in the windows of tiffany and all these things that had never happened anywhere else and so i have what a did that feel like it was incredible and it made me feel it you know more than anything it 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 changed my outlook and i think there are lots of talented people everywhere but it's people that have the outlook that what they want to achieve will happen and I think New York gave me that and so even now when I go back to New York on this book tour I'll be there probably in a week every single time I go to New York I land and I as soon as I get into the city I have like this feeling in my stomach that amazing things have happened here amazing things will happen here and so that I have that love for the city and I really like New Yorkers my clients there are just very inspiring people and so for that reason I have to say New York but then you know I travel a lot for the projects I work on and you know Paris is one of the most 
beautiful romantic cities in the world there's no other city like Paris so some of them I can't even compare them but if I if you force me to choose one I'm gonna say New York <laughs> are they illustrators were you one of those uh, people who would look through you know fashion illustration books um, and think oh I'm really inspired by this or I'm inspired by that or were there illustrators that that influenced your style it's funny I actually try and not look at any other illustration not in, not like I you know run away from it, but I I don't necessarily. I always think that the most lateral things that I see are the things that inspire me the most in my work. So things that are not directly illustration, which which is always hard to describe. I did growing up love the Russian illustrator Erte, and then I always thought that his work was just incredible and I've collected some of his pieces over time and I, I'm very inspired by him but aside from him I try to really look for inspiration in completely other different creative fields so music um, even everything to chefs um, interior designers different things like that that because I think um, seeing something a collective different a field of inspirations is what then makes you create something unique within the world that I work in. Yeah, yeah. Are, are we going to see an Art Deco <laughs> book, maybe? Oh, like, maybe. Or some illustrations I'd love inspired that. by Ote. I've yeah. got a book of his at oh, home, you? actually. Yeah. I love Ote. Yeah. And Absolutely I, gorgeous. Yeah, me too. And I loved that he his work was very... I mean, when he was... Um, he was an illustrator at a time when all magazines were illustrated. Right, and, right, you know, in the he, 20s. In the 20s. and Amazing. So, yeah, and I feel like he never followed trends. He created his own world within his illustrations, and I think that's something my work looks obviously nothing like his, but I would hope that in some way my work is in another world as well, in a different yeah. way. Coming up, Megan shares her thoughts on elevating the crafts in the face of technological change, as well as talking the only designer that she's dedicated an entire book to. That's next. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. It's Life Beats on Pulse 95, and I'm talking to Australian fashion illustrator Megan Hess as she launches her latest book, Iconic The Masters of Italian Fashion. As we talk the beauty of handcrafted fashion masterpieces, I ask Megan about her thoughts on elevating craftsmanship in the face of inexorable technology. I just think, you know, as the world is becoming more technology-based and everything, you know, they say that in the future there'll be robots doing everything, the things that can only be done by the hand, handcrafted things, I think, are the things that will be valued the most, which is why we should never let go of them. There's soul in it as well. That's right. There's something personal about it, that, yeah. which is why I think it's sometimes can be seen as frivolous, but actually I think in time we'll see that those things are actually the things that give people emotion and that are real and that people connect with. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And over time, it's like what we treasure. Yeah, Because it's so. like a window into the past, yeah. you know, the Erte, the Christian Dior. Yes, the, yeah. It's like, you know, a connection to that moment and something really beautiful. Yeah, I agree. That occurred, that was revolutionary. Yeah. You, the, the only book you've done, you've dedicated to a designer is Coco, Coco yeah. Chanel. Yeah. Why did you choose her? I chose her because I have always been very fascinated by her as a woman and really inspired by her. I've read every autobiography about her and... and what I, fascinates you about her? It fascinates me that she was 
essentially an orphan with nothing. And she created a fashion brand at a time where there were no other female fashion designers. She had no real support. She she really achieved things at a time that was almost impossible for women to achieve them. And not only that, she did it. She had to stay very strong to be able to do that. And everything that she created in a, in a design sense at the time, which is so long ago, is still the hallmarks of that brand today and I think that's the testament to how brilliant she was. She, you know, created so many iconic um, designs within her brand that lasted the test of time and she did it at a time that was really difficult for women to be able to do things and especially someone who had nothing. Um, so I'm just in awe. I just always think she is a role model as someone who really had to be had to have a strong sense of self to achieve what she achieved and you know I still walk into Chanel today and I see you know when I look at the Chanel jacket and you know that there's that the chain is built into the seam just so it it hangs at just the right, right just right that she created that so long ago. I always think she would be so proud to see that they're still in there today you know that those things her those details and yeah just the details are still there still today carried. Yeah. yeah and i think that's what it was and i and i thought her story was really interesting and even though there, there are a lot of autobiographies about her i've read nearly all of them yeah, yeah there was not an illustrated version of it and that's really what i wanted to do an illustrated autobiography that really visually took you through from her being a little girl through to when she passed away and what she did in that time. Are you going to be doing maybe another book about another designer that really fascinates you? Maybe. You know, when I think of um, what I'll do for next books, I, I've got lists of different things. You know, this could be something, this could be a you topic. You have a list of inspirations. Yeah, yeah, books. yeah, possible books. And then it really comes down to, I think, whatever the last book was, do, doing something that feels different to that and and just what I'm inspired by at the time. But yeah, I could do another one. Yeah, there Who's are people who, on the list. Who are on your list? Well, it's it's interesting. I I have lists of a lot of different designers, both yeah. male and female, mm. and no one yet at this point stands out to me to, to do it as much as I was excited to do Coco. So I don't think that'll be my next book, but I think at some point I probably will. I feel like we need like a, a Christian Dior book. Yeah, that would be, he would be great. And his, right? his, his story is... That was a turning point yeah. in fashion, in yes. history, the yeah, history of definitely. fashion. And for how, you know, women began to see themselves and the world began to see itself post-World War, World War II. Yes, exactly. And that was a moment. Yeah. You know, I always wish that I could go back into I that know. moment. And with when fashion was, right? yeah, yeah. And it was everything. And yeah. It, and like the way that the dresses were it. made. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you've done children's books now as well. Yeah. Clarice. Yeah. Like, what? Why? Coming up next... Taking the world of high fashion to children's books, Megan reveals how after a decade of wanting to write a book for kids, it all finally fell into place on a trip to Paris. It's such a cute story. That's next. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. 
Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Hello, Allah, and welcome to the second hour of Life Beats on Pulse 95. I'm Sally Musa, and you're hearing my conversation with international author and style queen Megan Hess as she reveals here how she finally came up with the idea for her first ever children's book. Here she talks, bring the world of high fashion to a little mouse in Paris. Do you know what's funny? This The children's book is, I shouldn't say it's my favourite book, but at the moment <laughs> I probably it probably is because the fashion books that I've worked on, I love doing, but I have honestly wanted to do a children's book for 10 years. Really? I have, and, and my publisher... Why? Well, my publishers I've been with for all my books have always said to me, what about a children's book? And... The reason why I didn't do it until now is because, A, I didn't feel like I had the right character or story, and I have said no to doing, illustrating anybody else's story forever for a children's book because I knew one day I wanted to do my own and I really didn't want to. And, and was asked many times. And many times, all the time. And you've refused. Yes, because, well, firstly, books take an enormous amount of work. Compared to anything else that I do, books are take up a very big amount of time and so I've always felt like I can probably only work on them if it's something that you've got to be really motivated because the amount of work involved in 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 a book is a lot so with children's books I really wanted to do one but I and when, when people had approached me even when they were good ideas I always thought I can't dedicate though that amount of time to it um, at the moment because I have so many projects on and so I would often when I'd get a moment on a flight between going to somewhere for a project I would think I would think of a children's idea and I'd start to kind of work on the story and then by the time I'd landed Is it because you had kids that you wanted to do one or Uh, what was it? Probably, probably. So my daughter similar to you I had uh, 12 so she's 12 now and my son is 8 and yeah I think it is that I think as an illustrator I've been and a mum I've been reading books to my kids for like 12 years and so whenever I would read a book I would think to myself oh you know some of them were really long or some of them were like not fu- not that fun or it's got to be fun for the parents yeah too, right? yeah and I just thought I would love in my mind I always wanted to do something that had a fashion context but was a children's book and so and we don't see that we don't never see it very often and so as I would travel there have been and I won't say which books they are but there have been several people in fashion that have done children's books and I would always buy them because I was really excited and interested and I would bring them home and try and read them to my kids and my kids were never interested and because a lot of the time these books were kind of aimed totally at adults almost where all the jokes were more for adults and it was kind of not really for kids and so in the back of my mind and these books were often reviews were not great on them either only really more people who didn't have children who were into fashion appreciated these books and having actually having children i knew that i could only do a children's book that really did connect with kids of course which sounds so much easier than that is but <laughs> obviously it's, it's a children's book it has to connect with children and i and i but i always I, but so in my mind it had to be something fashion related because that's my world and it had to relate to children and honestly it just took a long time to work out the character and long story short the last time i was in paris about a year or so ago i was there for the book tour of my paris book and i was sitting on my balcony and i saw a little mouse scurry across like from across the street across the rooftop this white little mouse just darted across and then into something 
I was just sitting there. I thought, oh my god, I just saw a mouse. And I thought, but how chic! That little mouse lives in Paris, and even if you know they are a mouse, they still live in Paris. And then I started to picture a mouse in little couture outfits, and this whole thing came to me. And I thought, oh, maybe this is the ca- the character is a mouse that lives in Paris, and she has. Where that little mouse was scurrying to, like she's got a little apartment and she's got all these outfits, <laughs> and this is how my mind works. Suddenly, I'm just picturing her in all these outfits, and then I thought, okay, this is what the book is. This is it. And she, so she lives in Paris, so her name should rhyme with Paris. What rhymes with Paris? And I was like googling French names that rhyme with Paris, and I was oh going through. I went, Clarice. I was like, Clarice, Paris. And so that's where. I, so I had the idea. I talked to my publisher, and they were like, but how does she? get there how how why does she have outfits how does she have an apartment so my whole first book is literally how does she become the chicest mouse in paris and so that was book one and um i've signed to do a series for clarice so she's going to be my um i'm going to do another probably four children's books about adventures that she will have in paris so i'm very very excited about amazing. it amazing because she's just fun to draw and fun to illustrate and Hopefully, she connects with children as well. It's just, it's fabulous. I love the idea. Coming up next, Megan talks the challenges of drawing First Lady Michelle Obama and she reveals the one item she can't live without, even when she's on holiday. That's next. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats. Now, Aussie artist Megan Hess has been asked to draw many famous people, but one of the most daunting was First Lady Michelle Obama, who commissioned Hess for official portraits for her book, What Would Michelle Do? Here, she talks the challenges of drawing the First Lady. But first, I asked Megan whether her kids have their mum's artistic touch. But is your daughter, is she um, into fashion like you? Does she love drawing? Does she love illustration? Uh, she's she like? not a drawer. No, it's funny. My son, who's eight, is actually quite into drawing. Um, he's And he's quite good. But she's, no, she's, I was very um, shy as a, as a little kid. So I was quite introverted. I'm still quite introverted now. So I was not a loud, um, vivacious person I was quite shy and that's why I think I also think drawing was something that was more my personality she's much more outgoing so she's more of a people person so she's more extroverted and I think for example when she's I don't know what she'll end up doing but I think she'll do something that's more extroverted in in the sense that she might she's and she's very organized and so I think she would be more someone who would organize events or do that type of thing rather than illustrating and and that type of thing but she's she does love fashion do you always carry a sketchbook yes um and even when even when when i go on a vacation with my husband and children or i'm somewhere that i'm not going to be drawing i just bring it just in case but i I usually say to myself you know we love to go to hawaii for example my husband and two children and i always think i'm not going to draw there that week i'm having just a break from it because i draw a lot during the week and then two days in, I got it out and I'm sketching something. I almost roll my eyes and I should just leave it. Because I always think it's good to have, you should step away from things to be then revitalized when you come back right. to it. But I can't really stop. It is stronger than me. I still I keep that. drawing on holidays. and. But it's like, no, there's something about drawing that is nurturing as well. Because, yeah. you know, like different to other activities that kind of drain you. 
There's yes. something nurturing, isn't there? I, I think so. Yeah. It get, well, for me, it I think it gives me a sense of energy and and cre- creating something. It yeah. gives me energy. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle Obama. Yes. How did that happen? Well, she was uh, her uh, publisher contacted my um, New York agent about me illustrating the portraits of her for her book, and so. That was, I always... What did you think? Oh, I remember when my agent rang me, I was just, what? Are you sure? Like, is that real? I I was like, and it's when she was, you know, the first lady at the time too. And I I was just like, oh my God. And I remember, I usually react the same way. I'm super excited when something like that happens. And then I go into a state of dread, fearing that it won't work out. And I go into this horrible state of... what if this all goes terribly wrong and everything? And then I get into a state of just get on with it. Like, just, just put that aside. It'll all be fine. Um, that was one of the most challenging projects ever. Um, working with her and her um, publisher and everything was not challenging. But the, the, thing with, the thing with portraits is that it is the most difficult of all the work that I do because most of my work are my characters, which I can draw blindfolded. So I just draw them, like it's like I can't even feel my hand moving. Whereas when I draw a real person, and I do do a small portion of this um, throughout a year, it takes enormous concentration and precision because if their nose or their mouth is just like a millimeter too big or too small or not in the right place, it won't look like them. So uh, so there's that, and I've drawn quite a few famous people before for them, but there was something about Michelle Obama that, as a woman, I just respected her enormously and liked her enormously and was so honoured to draw her that I was terrified of it not looking like her or in, in some way not working out. And not only did it have to look like her, <laughs> she also really wanted it to... All the portraits of her were... For example, one was of her in her oval office, so it, the rest of the room had to be exactly as it is. And when there was one of her in her home with her daughters, I had to draw her daughters, they obviously had to look exactly like them. So there was so much um, precision within the illustrations that I felt pretty intense the entire time I was working on them. But then once I had submitted them and she was happy and everyone was happy, it was like, like I'd graduated from university all over again. I felt so a sense of pride and relief and just joy that the project had kind of had worked and come together and that she was happy. So did you have to start any of portraits like more than once going, that just does not look like her. Yeah. Coming up, how do you get Michelle Obama's portrait just right? Megan shares her process next. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. I'm Sally Musa and this is Life Beats on Pulse 95. International fashion illustrator Megan Hess shares with me her process for getting the portrait of First Lady Michelle Obama just right. And I also ask her about her favourite fashion item as well as her biggest fashion faux pas. This one blew me away because we both adopted the same fashion trend for the same reason, only to regret it later. Did you yeah. have to start any of portraits like more than once going, that just does not look like her, I'm yeah, going to do it again? I did. I, start, I started them and it basically I had to work from, I didn't draw her like in person as we're sitting together. I worked from, I think I had 
over 150 photographs that I was given of her to work from. And sometimes that's, it's almost easier when uh, you work from, so say for example, I've illustrated Gwyneth Paltrow for her and they gave, she gave me like three photos. And that's almost easier because you don't have a choice. So you kind of think, right, out of these three, this angle is the best. So yeah. that's the one I'll work from and you can just focus. When you have hundreds of photos of someone, oh, you think to yourself, which which angle is the best angle? So narrowing that down was, was tricky as part of the process. Yeah. I'm just gonna ask you kind of quick fire questions yes. about um, fashion items that you love. Okay. So your favorite, fashion item and then your biggest fashion embarrassment because everybody has them okay so my i'll go with my embarrassment first (laughs) (laughs) well it's not really a fashion i had a perm in the 80s stop (laughs) i had a perm it was because of kylie minogue same i had a kylie minogue perm (laughs) that i the worst bit of it is that at the time i actually thought it looked great I couldn't have been more proud of it. I begged my mother for it. And I mean a full spiral perm. Like, it was epic. It was huge. And so when I look back now, I am in horror at any kind of photo. I can't, yeah. So that's probably my worst. And you you hear me. You know the perm. Um, I can't believe you said that. I'm just, like, blown. This is just crazy. (laughs) 11 years old, I was having a perm. Yeah. Because Kylie Minogue had had one too. I know. That's why I would have got my one as well. The um, locomotion. (laughs) Yes. Um... And then best fashion moment. Oh, or favourite fashion yeah. um, item moment. Uh, when you just thought, oh, this is the outfit. Uh, or this is the piece would you that know, I love. Well, yeah, I, when I finished the Coco Chanel book, I decided as a momentum of finishing it and finally getting that done, because I worked on it for a year, that I was going to buy something really special from Chanel. And I bought a, um, a it's a little handbag that is based on her apartment in the Ritz because of the book one of the most fascinating things that I researched was about the fact that she lived at the Ritz and her suite at the Ritz and how that came about and so right at the time that I finished the book they had just done a Ritz collection and within that collection was a little handbag that was based on her actual it's like white leather with the Ritz with her room number on it and it was one of those obscene purchases but I thought this is so unique and I will never I'll never find something that I think I love as much as this piece and still of all the handbags and different things that's the one that I just I love the most that is so special yeah that is so special yeah. what's next for you oh next is book two of Claris so that as soon as I get back from this book tour I have to illustrate that and have it done before the start of uh, December so I've got a really short window. I've already written the book, but I'd need to get back and illustrate it. And I'm so excited to illustrate her next adventure in Paris that she's, it's all written. So I can see it in my head. I just want to get back and get in the studio and draw it. We're excited for the Italian masters. We're excited for Clara's. Thank you. It's amazing. What <laughs> oh, a joy. Oh, it's been really lovely what chatting a joy. with you. That was the queen of fashion, illustration, Aussie author and artist, Megan Hess. Her latest book is iconic, The Masters of Italian Fashion. If you missed any part of the conversation, it will be up on our podcast page on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Just look for Life Beats and subscribe to get all the latest podcasts. You can download to listen anytime and even share your favorite shows. 
We'd also love for you to get in touch with us. You can do it by emailing lifebeats at smc.ae and don't forget to follow us on social media at Pulse95 Radio. Tomorrow we've got another amazing show for you as we discover the foods that will get our body supercharged with prolific author and health expert Lee Holmes. Have a fabulous day and see you again tomorrow from 10 a.m. for all the good things that make life beat. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.